0: Please continue in worship with me by listening to this scripture from Mark 13, 24 through 37. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You will not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch.
1: Good morning. (laughs) My name is Andrew Davidson. This is my wife, Beth, and we are the the Interim Children's Directors here at South Meridian. And we are so excited to be able to spend the month of Christmas with your children as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ our King. Um, This week, the the idea that we're learning is God sent Jesus for a reason. Amen. Are we thankful that God... (laughs) she's excited for jesus right okay i'm not gonna do that i am excited for jesus is coming but i'm not gonna do that (laughs) maybe downstairs when you all aren't watching me but not here so but god sent jesus for a reason aren't we all so thankful for that that's the truth that we're learning he's our savior he's our provider everything that we need we find in Jesus. So if you are age 5 through 5th grade, we invite you to join us for Children's Church today. Thank you.
2: I'm a little disappointed that none of you greeted me that way. So allow me uh, to to share some instructions. In a few minutes, at the end of the message, I'm going to be inviting you to come forward and receive the Lord's Supper this morning as a a fitting and appropriate way to begin our Advent celebration this year. And so if you're visiting, I just want you to know that this is how it works. Uh, when When I tell you that the time has come for you to come forward, I'll invite you to come to one of these two tables at the front of the rows up here. Uh, As you come forward, there will be someone here that will give you the bread and the cup. I like to say every time that we do this that we don't ever want to be in a hurry when we gather at the Lord's table. This is a time for being fully present. And so if you want to take the bread and the cup, if you want to kneel at one of the altars, if you want to sit down, if you want to hold it for a while, and then receive it whenever you're ready, I would invite you to do that. If you're not able to come forward, we encourage you to raise your hand and we'll have somebody who will bring the bread and the cup to you in the place where you are seated. And also there is a little basket for those of you who need to use gluten-free. There's a little basket on each table that you can utilize the little cup from the cup and the holder from that basket. So every year on the day after Thanksgiving, Dawn and I, at least by intention, we don't always get to do this, but it is our intention every year to go up into the attic above our garage on the day after Thanksgiving and to haul down all of our Christmas goodies. We get our big box that holds the artificial tree, and we get the 18,000 tubs that hold the ornaments that we've collected over 38 years, and we gather up things that are playful and things that are serious. We pull out our Frosty the Snowman and our Santa Claus insignias throughout the house. But there's one thing that is always my favorite every year to pull down. It is this manger scene that Don, the woodworker in our home, created a number of years ago. It's very simple. It sits in our front yard. It has a little structure on which it stands, and you can make out a manger, you can make out a, a scene of the stable and the manger and Mary and Joseph, and we put a spotlight on it at night so that... It shines a shadow up on our garage, and you can see their silhouettes up on the garage behind us. Every year, this manger scene is a pointer of where we are headed. We're headed on December 25th to the day of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. This is where we're going. This is where we've started today in our worship, going in that direction. And our scripture reading from just a moment ago comes from the Gospel of Mark. And if you know your Gospels, you might know that that's sort of weird, because we're on our way to the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, and we're reading a Gospel that doesn't tell the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Mark is in many ways the Gospel of action. It jumps right in with John the Baptist and then Jesus as adult men. There's no story of the birth of Jesus. There's no story of his childhood. The Gospel of Mark jumps right in with an adult Jesus. He's old enough now to begin his public ministry. It jumps right over the first 30 or so years of his life. We've begun the journey to Advent, and this morning we're reading from the Gospel of Mark. If you want the Christmas story, you have to read from Matthew or Luke. If you were hoping this morning to hear the story of, of the angel's annunciation to Mary and her incredible response, let it be done to me as according to your word. And if you were hoping to hear the magnificat of Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, you'd have to go to Luke. If you were hoping to hear about shepherds keeping watch in the, over their flocks on the hills nearby, If you're hoping to hear about their extraordinary response to the announcement given to them that the the birth of the Messiah had occurred, you have to go to Luke. On the other hand, if you wanted to hear the story from the perspective of Joseph, betrothed to Mary, you've got to go to Matthew. If you want to hear the story of the genealogy, all the genealogy that leans down to Joseph, you all wanted to hear the story of the genealogy today, right? the long story of the genealogy coming down to Joseph. If you wanted to hear about how Joseph responded when he learned that Mary, his betrothed, was pregnant, how being a man of high character, he decided to divorce her quietly because he didn't want to make a scene and humiliate her. You'd you'd have to read Matthew to get that. If you had wanted to hear the story of of wise men coming to the East to bring their gifts to share with the birth of the Christ child, you'd have to read from the Gospel of Matthew. And we're in Mark today. In fact, not only are we in the Gospel of Mark today, we're in Mark chapter 13 today. There are only 15 chapters in the Gospel of Mark. If you're curious, we're closer to the arrest of Jesus than we are to the beginning of His public ministry. We're closer to the occasion when Peter would deny Jesus three times, deny even that he knew him, than we are to the childhood of Jesus. We're closer to the crucifixion of Jesus in Mark chapter 13 than we are anything at all like the story of his birth. We're in Mark. Now, I want to tell you, if you think it's odd that we're in Mark chapter 13 this morning, it wasn't my idea. I'm not afraid to throw somebody under the bus. If you're wondering why we're in Mark chapter 13, I have to back up and tell you the story. Way, 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 way back in roughly the 5th century after the birth of Jesus, way, way back a long time ago, the exact dates are not certain, leaders in the church were gathered together and they were talking about what could be done to be part of the revitalization of the worship of the church. And they said to themselves, you know, there ought to be a season in the year every year. There ought to be a time of year that we slow down in preparation for a celebration of the memory of the birth of Jesus. And they decided to call this season Advent. And they called it Advent because the word Advent means an arrival, a coming, an appearance. And so they decided to call this season Advent. And then over time, over the development of the season of Advent, this time of restoration of of the worship and the life of the church, somebody had this idea, you know, we shouldn't just remember the first advent of Jesus. This is a time when we also ought to remember the second advent of Jesus. We should look back to the time that Jesus came with celebration, and we should look forward in hope to the time of his return. We'll call this season Advent. And so, here we are this morning, on the first Sunday of Advent, reading a story not about the first ad- advent of Jesus, but a story that has been, interpreted in, has been interpreted in the life of the church as about the second advent of Jesus. Jesus is speaking now. And Jesus is saying, But in those days, following the distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and heavens will be came to church this morning thinking, Wow! the Christmas season is upon us, you're hearing stories that sound more like Stephen King novels than they do about the birth of Jesus, more like Harry Potter than they do like Bethlehem. Jesus is speaking. At that time, on that future day, when men see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, He's going to send his angels and he's going to gather the elect from the four winds, from all the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Jesus, it is, it is typically interpreted, is speaking about the time of his second coming here, the time of his return. The church is invited to look forward in hope and anticipation to imagine what it will be like on that day when he when he returns. This is the time when the church sets its minds on what will occur when Christ returns and sets all things right. We're being asked to imagine what it looks like when God's will is being done on earth as in heaven and on earth as in heaven. Every corner of the universe. We're Today forward, and, and we're being asked to remember the day of his birth. We're at, we're being asked to look backward and celebrate and hope the things that have changed in the world. The season of Advent, with this, with this tension, remember what is different because of the birth of Jesus, and anticipate what. We're being asked to live and think and work right here within this tension. And that's not an easy thing to do. I wonder how many of you noticed the reading that Christina gave this morning from from Isaiah chapter 64. Christina read these words spoken centuries before the birth of Jesus. When Isaiah, the prophet, cried, cried out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That you would rip them open. In the heavens and you would come and visit us. I think in the modern vernacular vernacular, it would sound something like this: Come on, God, come on. Can't you see what life is like for us here? Come on now. We're longing for you to come, we're longing for your arrival. We can't wait any longer for you to fulfill all things in heaven and on earth. That's Isaiah 64. That's the, the leaning in the direction of the future, the longing, the longing. For what shall be. And at the very same time, we're being invited to remember, to remember what is different because Christ has been born in our world. A handful of decades before the birth of Jesus, there was another child that was born in the Roman world. In fact, this particular child was born in the city of Rome. In the moment of his birth, a messenger who had been waiting for the word heard the announcement it's a boy. The messenger took this announcement to the Roman Senate and announced, the world's ruler has come. It was the birthday of a child of 80 by the name of Octavius. Octavius, who would become, in a season, the most important person in all of the Roman Empire because at his, on his 32nd or 33rd birthday, Octavius would be renamed by the Roman Senate, Caesar Augustus. Here's how important Augustus is. He was the most powerful man in the world. Here's how important Augustus is. He was a man who spoke the word and armies went to battle. Augustus was the single most important man in the world in his time. So important, you didn't know this, I'm betting. Every year you mark his birth by the memory of the name of the eighth month of the year, August, named after Augustus. Important. Important, so important in the ancient world. And yet, did you know that when the Gospel of Luke will tell the story of the birth of Jesus, Caesar Augustus will be relegated to what is essentially a footnote in the story. That's all he gets. You you know it. You know where he's mentioned. And in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a a decree that a census should be sent out across all of the land and all of the men will be required to return to the town of their birth. Caesar Augustus, there it is. And that's all he gets. He's just a footnote. It's as though the Gospel of Luke is telling us, yeah, 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 Augustus is important. But if you want to know what's really important, if you want to put your eyes on what really matters, if you want to pay attention to the narrative that's really going to change the world, watch Jesus. I don't know about you, I think that those of us today who are tempted to obsess about politics and rulers and who's in charge and who's in control, sure it's important, but maybe, just maybe, we ought to relegate it to a footnote to what's really, really important. Jesus is born. And this is, this is Advent. Advent is living in this tension between the celebration of the birth of Jesus that has changed things. Think of it for a moment the birth of Jesus has changed things. I think it's really remarkable that during this season of year, even even people who are not believers in Jesus, even people who would not call themselves Christian, something stirs within them at this time of year to be more mindful of, of people who are in need, to be more aware of acts of kindness, to be more aware of the need of love in the world. Isn't that astonishing? That some of the some of the after effects of the birth of Jesus, some of the after effects of our celebration of Christmas are still working within a secular culture so that people want to be better during Christmas season. And those of us in whom faith has been awakened, those of us who do believe in him, we will testify that our own lives have been infected by his birth. Something of love has been infected in us. Something of grace has been infected in us. Something of righteousness has been infected in us. We are different because of the birth of Jesus. We're different. And yet, we are also in this season when we look forward. And we recognize that our world is not set right. And we moan and we groan and we long and we yearn for that coming day. This is, this is our task during Lent. Our job during Lent is to live within this tension. It's different, and yet it's not what it needs to be. Here we are in this season of Advent living within the tension. Every year around this time, there are are pilgrims who travel from all over the world to go to, to Israel, to the town of Bethlehem, to visit the place that Matthew and Luke tell us Jesus was born. We don't know the exact place, but there are some folks who think they have an idea of where that actually is. And there's a cave, I understand it, that folks travel to all over the world from Indiana and India. from People from Cicero and people from the Caribbean, all over people travel to visit this spot. I get it. I've never been there, but I get it. There's something inside of me that... It is like a mystical moment when I stand in a place that has significance, importance. To stand in Gettysburg will move you. I think to stand in Bethlehem, to be in that place would be incredibly, incredibly moving. And so every year, thousands and thousands of people stream together to Bethlehem. But not this year. They won't be going this year. The reason they won't be going this year is that Rulers in the region of Bethlehem have determined that it isn't safe. Because you see, just a hop, a skip, and a jump from Bethlehem, there's a place called Gaza where bombs are falling and war is taking place. And the awful ways that human beings tear at human beings, terror and counter-terror taking place right in the Holy Lands, there won't be any visitations to Palestine this year. Because the tensions are too great. We all learn this, I think, at an early age. As magical as Christmas is, for me, for me it was magic as a child. But there comes a day, when, a day when, you're, when your innocence is taken from you and you begin to realize the world is just as vulnerable on Christmas Day as it is on any other day of the year. You can get sick on Christmas Day. You can lose loved ones on Christmas Day. There's violence in the world on Christmas Day. And there's much that reminds us of of the ways of the inhumanity of humans toward humans that happens even on Christmas Day. And here we have it, this tension, this tension. We're different because of Christmas. The world is even different because of Christmas. And yet there is this awareness that the world is not yet what we long for it to be, the dream of God, of God's will being done on earth as it's heaven. It is not yet. And so we live here in this tension. We celebrate and we groan in the very same moment. This is Advent. This is Advent. Jesus had some instructions for us during the season of Advent. Some instructions about what to do with the tension that we're living in. He said, now learn a lesson from a fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus said, here are your instructions. Here are your instructions during this time of tension. Learn from the fig tree. The fig tree that when summer is arriving, its branches get tender and it presents its leaves to the world. In other words, lean in now, in other words, the fig tree begins showing the signs of the future even before the future has arrived. Oh, there's a day down the road when the fig tree is going to produce figs. When it's going to produce its harvest, that which it is created to do. But it's not that time yet. It's now just the summertime. And in the summertime, the signs of the future are already present in the fig tree, whose twigs, leaves become tender. I'm sorry, whose whose branches become tender and whose leaves begin to sprout. The presence of the future can already be felt in the present. This is what we're doing in the season of Advent. We're looking backward and remembering where we're looking forward in hope, but we're also recognizing that the signs of the future for which we are waiting are already present now. Think about it for a moment, friend. Just think about it. Where in the journeys of most of the people in this world, something or another happened that made you aware that you are dependent on a source of life that is, that is not You. You are dependent, utterly and absolutely dependent on one who comes to you to grant you life. The author of all life, all that is. Sometime in many of our lives, something has happened to us, to our neighbors. Something has happened to pull us up out of our self-centered lives to help us to recognize our neighbors around us and help us to realize that, yes, we are indeed our neighbor's keeper. Something has happened for many of us in this room to awaken us to the realization that the healing of the world for which we are longing is already present in some places in the world today. This kingdom that we are longing and groaning for is already with us. Oh, it's not complete. It's not complete. But the kingdom that we're longing for, the kingdom of love and the kingdom of peace and the kingdom of power and the kingdom of righteousness is already here like like the fig tree that is beginning to bloom in its anticipation of the summer. Jesus had some instructions for us. He had some instructions. This kingdom is already present, though not yet fulfilled. He has some instructions for us. He says, now, nobody knows the day or the hour of the return of the Son of Man when all of these things will be completed. Only the Father knows. By the way, listen, please. Jesus doesn't even know. But be on guard, he says. Be alert. You don't know what time the father's going to come. You don't know what time the master is going to return to the house. And you know that this master, he leaves this house and he puts his servants in charge and each with the assigned task and he tells each one, and he tells the one at the door, keep watch. This is your job. Keep watch. As you're anticipating that great and final day, this is your job. Keep watch. Therefore... Keep watch because you don't know when the owner of the house will come. Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, he will come suddenly. Don't let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everybody. Everybody, watch. Here's our job during Advent. It's a very simple to-do list. On the one hand, remember that Jesus has come. The world is different. We are different. We who believe in him are different because he has come. Long for his returning. The hour when he will return and he will make all things new and he will set all things right and God's will will be done on every corner of the planet on earth as it is in heaven. Long for that day. And in the meantime, recognize that its signs are already present and watch. 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 When we're watching, when we're watching, we're learning to be attentive to our own lives. I know that sounds funny to say, but many of us live so, many, so much of our lives under anxiety and under distraction and our minds in a thousand different places that we aren't really where we are. When we're learning to watch, we're learning to be present where we are and attentive to our life right here at this place in this time. I don't know about you, I don't know how anybody would watch if they didn't create some spaces in their lives to be quiet and attentive, to do what my friend Steve Stoll once described as being where your feet are. I think a good practice for every Christian in every day is to become quiet and attentive, to pay attention to your body, to notice notice that you're, you're breathing, to pay attention to your breathing and be where you are. To watch is to be where you are. To watch is to recognize that God is present in ways that God is making his purposes known to us all the time. Oh, perhaps 99.7% of the time we're not attentive, we're asleep, we're distracted, we're not awake. To watch is to be aware that God is present with us at all times, speaking, drawing us near, bearing witness to us that we are the children of God. I have this feeling that in every moment God is trying to say something to us. And I think in every moment God is trying to say to us, I love you, I created you, you're my child, and there are things I have for you to do. To watch is to be attentive. To watch is to begin to remove some of the armor that we all place around our hearts, armor that we place around our hearts to protect ourselves from pain and to protect ourselves from from people who say mean things about us and treat us poorly, armor that we've all learned to build around our, ourselves to protect ourselves from fear, it works. Our armor protects us, ourselves from those things, at least to, agree, to a degree. The problem is that it also keeps us from love. It keeps us from the experience of the presence and power of God. It keeps us from the knowledge of the delight of God's presence in us. It guards us from love. I think to watch is to lean forward attentively as though we are a people for whom God has something in store and for whom God has a task. And to watch is to live your life in such a way that you are sensitive and you are tender to the ways that God is leading you toward your neighbor, toward our neighbors, toward all of the neighbors of the world in a way that will look differently for all of us. To watch is to be alert. This is our task during the season of Advent. It's really quite simple. And yet we will discover that it requires more discipline than we knew. During the season of Advent, we're called to remember the birth of Jesus and the changes that he has made. And we're called to look forward to the second coming of Jesus with the groaning that there is. And we're called to welcome the signs of that coming day in our lives right now and watch and watch. And watch. And the world will be made different from people who watch. So I invite you to watch now as Jesus invites us to the table. On the night of his crucifixion, which is closer to Mark 13 than a birth story, On the night of his crucifixion, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Jesus, the revealer of God, the one who makes the love of God known to all, said, This bread is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Watch. At the end of the Passover meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. As members of our congregation come forward to receive the bread in the cup, I invite you to watch the community in whom Christ is working. As you receive this bread and this cup, I invite you to watch Christ who is present with you even now. Pray with me, please. Eternal God, awaken us from the slumbers, the guardedness and the hiddenness that keep us hidden from you. Awaken us in this moment right now to your presence and power and your love for us. Awaken us in this moment for your love for all of creation. Grant this morning that we may receive this bread and this cup, not merely as bread and cup, but as body broken for us, as the blood of Christ poured out for us. Grant that we may receive this gift now as an Advent people. Oh God, come. Make your world whole. Oh God, come in fullness. Set things right. Oh God, come. Bring an end to the warring of our world. Oh God, come. Heal the brokenhearted. Oh God, come. Mend those who are wounded. Oh God, come, comfort those who grieve. And in this moment right now, help us to receive the ways that you are coming to us in this moment now. Open our hearts, open our minds, open us to the way of Jesus. It is in his name that we pray, amen. Jesus invites you to the table.